You're listening to Swipe East, Swipe West, where we dive into the dating differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley Davis. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Swipe East, Swipe West, the dating and culture podcast focusing on differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley, and you can find us on Instagram at Swipe East, Swipe West, or me on TikTok at Ashley Angora. That's Ashley, A-N-N-G-O-R-A. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, and I'm super excited to dive in this week. But before we do, um, as always, I have my my little bi-weekly update to give you all. Um, and I actually have some things to share, which is new and exciting, I guess. So for anyone that's new here or that just needs a little refresher because it's been a bit, as of a couple weeks ago, I went on my first real date in like two and a half years, which is insane. It went well. Um, We did not talk to each other again after that, which is fine. I think uh, honestly, at the end of the day, we were looking for different things, but he was a nice guy and it was a good you know, date. So it made me feel a little bit better about getting back out there and trying to, I guess, semi-actively date again. But since then, I've had a few developments with some other people. Um, So I did half get stood up, I guess, by one guy. And this guy, I was actually excited. And honestly, sounds kind of bad. It was less about him and just more so he was doing all the right things. He picked you know, the date, the time, the place. He picked this like really cool brewery that in an area I hadn't been to. And I was like totally down to check it out and do something new. And then where it fell through was the, the confirmation. We were supposed to meet at like, I think like 1 PM and the place was like an hour from my house. So I wake up, it's like 10 30 AM, no confirmation. I was going to have to start getting ready at 11. And normally in these circumstances, if I don't hear from the guy, I just assume it's canceled. But because we picked the time and the place, I was like, okay, well, maybe this guy just isn't thinking and will show up. And then I would feel like the asshole. So I text him at like 11, which is when I would have had to start getting ready to leave in an hour and was like, hey, are we still on? (laughs) This guy does not text me until 12.30, so 30 minutes before I was going to have to be there. So after I would have needed to leave, I did not get ready, by the way, because I was like, I'm not doing anything until I hear from this kid. And he's like, oh, I was called into work this morning. Didn't feel the need to tell me and then asked to reschedule. And I'm like, dude, you could have told me. And he's like, well, I can't be on my phone. No, you're on your phone right now. So that never got rescheduled. He also unmatched me. Uh, so this was before I had to confirm. So I don't really know what happened there. Um, if you are new here, I try not to talk about too many people, but there's some things that I'm just like, I want to share this just so also people know what to, not to do, regardless of how you identify or your gender or anything. Um, aside from that, I had my first DJ gig this past weekend, which was exciting. And this does relate to dating because The whole week before, I was obviously like an anxious mess. I was prepping, like practicing as much as I could because I wanted it to go really well. And of course, like that's the week that I have like all these guys like asking like to hang out, come over for obvious reasons um, or to actually take me out on dates. And I told all of them, I'm like, listen, like I have this gig. It's important to me. Like, I don't really think you want to see me in my current state and I'm just going to be really busy focusing on this right now. Can we do next week? Like was totally like honest and 
it was a mixed reaction amongst all of them. I had a few that just like stopped answering me slash like kind of made fun of me. <laughs> so never heard from them again, or at least I haven't since that was like over a week ago at this point. I had a couple that I think anything that I said just went over their heads or in one year out the wonder out the other. And they just consistently kept texting me and trying to find different ways that they could come over. I think you could figure out what they were after. And it was not my personality. I'll give you a hint. And that really annoyed me because I like if I say I'm not free, I'm not free. Like you texting me nonstop is not going to change that. It's just going to bother me. And then there was a few that actually were pretty respectful of my time and um, said we could do something after my gig um, this week. So as this is getting posted. And it was just interesting to see all the different reactions. And I feel like some of it is there's like stereotype or stigma, I guess, that like if you say that you're busy or have something going on, it means you're not interested where I know sometimes like people do that, but sometimes like you actually have stuff going on. So I feel like people maybe thought this was a rejection. Um, I think also some people don't understand, especially with women, when dating isn't a priority for them. For me, like, you know, I'll go on dates if it works out, if I meet someone that I like. But I have a lot of other stuff going on that's important to me, too. And I'm not going to toss everything aside for someone that I don't know yet. Obviously, if we start seeing each other and I really like you and things work out, it's easy for you to come over and sit on my couch while I'm mixing on my decks, but not when I uh, am just meeting you for a first date. So there's some of those types of things, too. And I also think some guys, um, again, like there's another stigma that goes around about how women need hobbies. They don't do anything. And then they find someone with hobbies and they're like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you're busy with activities? So, again, this does not apply to everyone, but definitely for some people I've met. So that was just interesting, but I do have a few more dates coming up soon. So we will see how that goes, I guess. So you can tell that I'm super stoked about them. Uh, I feel bad. I'm, it's not that I'm not. I'm just really tired I've been because I have been really busy, but it's going to be good for me to go. So I think it's nice to meet different people and experience more things because it could go well, like coffee shop guy. I hope no one that I go on dates with actually listens to this. I told them all not to. So yikes. Uh, anyways, <laughs> jumping into today's episode, I'm really excited because I have my friend Matt on. He is based in San Diego, so another person from San Diego, but he is offering a different perspective in the community of open relating. And I'm using that term specifically, and you'll hear more why as you listen to the episode. And I think it's nice to hear what he has to say about being in that community, how he got into that community, why he chooses to stay in that community, pros and cons to dating in and out of that. Um, and as far as like meeting people that might not necessarily off the bat be in an open relating type of community or relationship already. And also, I know we've had two women on um, that lived in San Diego at one point and they, it wasn't their favorite place uh, for dating at least. Like I think they really ended up liking the city, but they had a hard time meeting men outside of like a drinking environment, which wasn't for them. And Matt definitely is also in a different type of environment 
or likes different types of environments from that, which again, you'll hear more about. Um, but he really, like, he's going to stay there. Um, these two women, I don't think it was for them, but um, I think it's nice to hear different perspectives from different people that live in the same place, which is the whole point of the show um, and just being open to that as well. So I've talked way too long already and let's dive into it with Matt. I am so excited to be here with my friend, Matt Davey. Hi, Matt. Hey, hey. So Matt is in San Diego, and not only am I stoked to hear a man's perspective about San Diego, which we have not talked about yet, but learn more about the polyamorous community, which we also have not talked about yet. I know open relationships have come up a couple times, but we haven't really dove into what that looks like, how that maybe is different or similar. So I'm super excited to hear all about your experience with that, Matt, and what it's like for you living in San Diego also. Yeah, I'm stoked to be here. To kick it off, where in San Diego are you located? I don't think you're from San Diego originally. So what caused you to move there? And like, what's like your general experience been like meeting and dating people? Yeah, so I uh, actually moved here because I was in a polyamorous relationship at the time. And I was living in Hawaii, but my um, partner and her husband uh, lived here in San Diego. So I moved to San Diego to be closer to them and try to figure out how, figure how to integrate life together in that kind of that poly world. So um, we'd done distance for about a year and I moved here to be closer to them. We continued to date for about another oh, year and a half after I moved here before we transitioned our relationship on. But polyamory is really the reason I moved to San Diego. I actually did not know that about yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been exploring open open relating and uh, non monogamy for about eight years now. So that was my most significant relationship that lasted about three years. Did you meet them in Hawaii, or how like how did you like meet this person or people and like end up doing distance? Yeah, ran, kind of a random sequence of events. I was back. I work in the in the school system, and I was back visiting family for the summer. Um, so I was back in Indiana, and through Tinder matched with uh my partner at the time and we initially just planned on having kind of a summer fling because uh, she and her husband lived in indiana and there's i was in hawaii so it didn't really make sense to do that big of a distance um, we connected super well and about a week after we connected her husband got a job offer in san diego they decided to move and we decided to figure out if distance made sense for us uh since i mean san diego is about as close as you can be to hawaii and so yeah, we did that for a while. And um, but yeah, online is where we initially met and started our, our little journey together, which, you know, certainly had its ups and downs, but um, learned a lot through it for sure. I'm just going to start diving in with the, the polyamory questions. Yeah. And since I didn't realize yeah. that's how you ended up in San Diego, but so, for sure. okay. So when you matched with your partner, like, were you dating just her or were you in relationship with her and her husband or like, how does that work? And like, what, like, I guess, like, what does polyamory like mean to you and how might it dif differ between different people or communities? Yeah, poly. So, I mean, the non-monogamy community is so vast. Right? There's, there's just a, a wide range of, of how people are relating and really the terms aren't super consistent. A lot of people will use the polyamory term to mean different things to different people. Uh, for me, polyamory was really about the depth of connection. I really am, and have always strived for 
deep intimate connections and you know the sexual side of things is it's kind of secondary like that's great if that's where it leads to but what i'm really desiring is connecting with people and allowing those connections to just grow to whatever depth that they're able to grow to what i found a lot in the poly world is that um, a lot of people are operating in more of a hierarchical structure so they're operating from some kind of primary relationship and they're seeking out additional sexual or play partners outside of that and that while that's fun and interesting that's never was wasn't really the thing that i was looking for hierarchy was not something i was super interested in and um so when i connected with my um my partner you know at the time they were very hierarchical they had a very strong primary connection and were seeking these these secondary outlets but they had some openness to exploring beyond that and so that's where it really came i was the kind of the first um attempt at that uh you know we we i mean we had holidays together we did family dinners um with it, i mean there was one thanksgiving that was me uh, my partner one of her other boyfriends and his partner and my partner's husband and his partner um all together so it was a very unique situation I was always open to dating other people. I didn't have a lot of success finding people who wanted to seriously date alongside of that structure, though. Um, so for me, most of my dating was more one date, two date kind of situations before people ultimately decided that it wasn't what they were interested in. So I didn't have a lot of success finding an additional partner, but was dating throughout the whole the whole course of our relationship. And she obviously was dating as well. So then just to make sure I understand, so then you'd be in a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. She was still married to her husband, but then mm-hmm. you would, could still be dating other people and she could still be dating other people and mm-hmm. have like multiple partners. Yep, absolutely. But you weren't involved with like her husband. Like that was like no. separate relationships. Right. Now that's something that I'm, I'm certainly open to, but it's not in that situation was not the right, right, right um, connection. I mean, he and I were, were friends, you know, we even hung out just the two of us at times, um, but, but never never into anything romantic or intimate between us. And so then when you are meeting people in this mm-hmm. types of community, whether it's online or in person, when I guess are you telling them that you're like looking for that? Like, is it mm-hmm. first, like to your point, first date, second date, is it on your Tinder profile? Like, how mm-hmm. are you navigating those types of conversations with people? Yeah, I've, I've eliminated all my online dating. Um, I deleted those over a year and a half ago, but at, when I did have it on there, um, I it was something that I included on my profile. There were times that I took it off, but that never felt genuine to me because even if I took it off, I still told people on the first date because for me it was a it's it it was and has been a, a principal part of my relating. Like if somebody is going to get to know me, that's something that's a pretty core part of who I am, um, and so I think it's important that they know it up front and. You know, usually it flows pretty easily in conversation for me. I mean, um, when I was when I was in that poly relationship, it was super easy just to kind of drop the line that uh, my partner and her husband, or say something along those lines, and that would just spark something for people, and we'd get into a conversation about it. Whereas now, it's you know, it's just something that I still find important. So even on a first date, I still tend to bring it up. Um, you know, in that kind of conversation about like, what is it that you're looking for? So yeah, it kind of comes out pretty easily. Has that, I mean, I imagine it would be, but has that been like limiting when you're meeting people or have you ever had like anyone react like negatively towards that? Uh, For sure. I I wouldn't say super negatively, but I've had plenty of people that immediately shut it down. I mean, that say, you know, that's not what I'm looking for. That's not um, 
something I'm interested in. Most people are interested in, in the conversation and they ask a lot of questions. And then by the end, it comes out that, well, it's not for me, but you know, I haven't had anybody be angry with me or anything like that. Um, most of it's been a curiosity where ultimately people come down on this, on a line of, you know, they'll say something along the lines of, I'm too jealous to do that. Or, yeah. you know, I'm too, I don't know, trust is too important to me. Or, you know, some of those kinds of statements. And it's a, you know, a short-sighted view on, on uh, open relating, but I get it. So that brings up a good, I guess, question or point, because like, have you ever had um, issues in like any of your relationships where someone down the line decides they want to be monogamous or like they change their mind or like a trust issue does come up? Like, is that, or, or do you feel that most people in that community are, have like this certain mindset and it's pretty, pretty okay with whatever like you establish? Yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag. I mean, I, I, my personal dating experience is most of the people that I connected with who were already actively um, practicing a non-monogamous lifestyle, we're doing it from that hierarchical structure. And so there were limits in, in the, the depth that we were able to really go. You know, I'd be dating someone and all of a sudden the primary connection would need help. And so they would have to, you know, we'd have to pause while they focused on their primary connection or, you know, the, the other partner would get uh, frustrated because they weren't connecting with people. And so it would limit the amount of time that she was able to connect with, with me or with other partners and those kinds of things. And so personally, I believe polyamory is a form of relating that isn't, you know, more evolved or anything like that than monogamy. Um, I just think it's different. I think in order to be successful in it, you have to deal with your insecurities. You have to do a lot of self-work through, you know, personal pain and and really understanding the whys behind exploring non-monogamy. And a lot of people, I don't think, do that. I think a lot of people view it as a way to have some extra fun, to fuck around, and oh, well, can I say fuck? Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is a okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, yeah, just just kind of explore. You know, there's a there's a kind of a, a phrase that floats around a little bit in the the poly world of like poly until, and it's a lot of people who are well, I'm poly until I find them, who makes me want to be monogamous. And so I, I ran into a lot more of that kind of stuff, I felt like. Um, people that were, you know, trying to maintain maybe even a failing marriage or primary relationship, and this was a way to kind of keep it going. And once that primary thing fell apart, they no longer cared to explore and were more interested in, kind of find, again, going back to that finding the, the one mindset. So, so yeah, so it's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting world. I mean, I think there's... There are a lot of people, though, that have not, you know, for, for me, I did about three years of research. Like I read books, I listened to podcasts, um, went to counseling, did a lot of like self-work before I ever even started dating in the non-monogamy world. And that, I think, helped me a, a ton, especially in, in the realms of dealing with jealousies and really having a firm foundation and why it was a or is a lifestyle that I've been interested in pursuing. And was that before like before you met your initial partner or mm -hmm. were you kind of always like interested in that no so i was actually um married monogamously for 10 years and grew up very religious conservative christian and polyamory was nowhere in my purview as far as like an option and so it wasn't until about seven years into my marriage which when uh, i first discovered it and we 
we explored it and talked about it a little bit as, as a potential thing for us. One of those, you know, maybe this will save our marriage kind of things. Ultimately, um, she decided it wasn't something that she could do. And so, uh, but was fine with me continuing to um, kind of explore from a intellectual standpoint, which is part of the reason I didn't uh, date outside of it and only research for those three years as well. We continued to work on our marriage. Ultimately, uh, that marriage ended in divorce. And ever since then, I've actively dated in the non-monogamy world and have only really dated in the non-monogamy world. I interestingly don't really use the polyamory term anymore. I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. It's been one that's been overused, I, I feel like. And a lot of the people that I have met, especially here in San Diego, who use the term polyamory or open relating, um, are using it more so in the, the fuck around context. And mm. I'm, I just feel like the thing that I'm seeking requires more conversation. So I don't want to use polyamory and just have an assumption be made about what that means. Um, so I actually have started using the term relationship anarchy more so, uh, even though I, I hate the term, but I like what it represents. <laughs> yeah, that all makes sense. And I was asking because I feel like it takes a lot of um, like self-recognition to be doing that work and looking into the community if, for it to be something you want to potentially explore. Whereas to your point, I feel like a lot of times there is the perception of, oh, like eth even like ethically non-monogamous or E&M mm -hmm. or poly, it's like, oh, well, he just wants to like cheat on his wife or oh he mm -hmm. just doesn't want to settle down and to your point like there's definitely people that are like that but i also think in my personal opinion like i deleted my dating apps too and i just think it's harder to date monog monogamously now just with like mm -hmm. social media dating apps like we have so much access to people and images that mm -hmm. we didn't used to have that i think it's just my take and not everyone might agree with this it's harder for people to settle down so I could see some people exploring more of like a open relating um, type of mm -hmm. route just because they can't be monogamous for whatever reason versus like I just yeah. want an excuse to like fuck around but have this girl here which is also like kind of just shitty dating for most of us these yeah. days yeah. but right yeah yeah I mean I think I, I think I personally believe that monogamy or non-monogamy is a choice. I'm not somebody that believes that I was mm -hmm. born a certain way. I mean, I think that we have, you know, maybe some like, you know, there might be some preferences or some some kind of innate things that, that make somebody more open to it than another. Uh, but I still believe yep. that it's a choice. I think there's a point in my life when I, I could potentially be sexually monogamous with someone. We ultimately decided that's what we wanted to do. But he, I will never be emotionally monogamous, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's different for everyone. And like, some, something that I talk about with my friends a lot is I I hate I, I just hate the narrative people paint with dating these days and like all the expectations that they put on yes. it because my perspective my perspective is like every relationship is different because every person is different so uh -huh. like me and my ex-boyfriend this failed miserably for multiple reasons but we were open um whereas like a different person and I we might not be open to your point or uh -huh. um you know, and, and how you approach one person with dating is not going to be the same to someone else. And I feel like there's this, there, like people are trying to push this like one size fits all approach, whether even in monogamy and like mm -hmm. uh, non-monogamy, just with like what they think it should be, but yeah. it, it's not the case. Um, and I honestly think like social media is, is a problem with perpetuating that because everyone's mm -hmm. kind of spitting out these ideas 
and you get like inundated. Like I have to sometimes go off it because I'm like, I'm hearing if he wanted to, he would too much. And I'm like, there's a gray. Sometimes there is a gray, (laughs) you know? So yeah. Yeah, I agree. Then what is your take on the community like in San Diego? Like, are are you mostly dating in the community there? Are you still meeting people um, in like other areas of the States or like, have you found it's been like different or better in different areas? Yeah. I mean, San Diego has definitely been the best place that I've lived for non-monogamy. I mean, Indiana and Hawaii are not very open. Um, Hawaii actually has a unique, like super subculture from my understanding of of non-monogamy, but it's kind of insular and harder to break into. And I never was really able to break into it. It was just these rumors <laughs> that it exists. Um, or maybe I was just on the wrong island. I don't know. Um, but here in San Diego, I, I think there's there's a there's a very open mindset to it. Part of that's probably the um the world that I run in. I'm very involved in the dance rave kind of festival community and that's where I make all of my connections. And within that community it is a very common theme. Uh, to be exploring non-monogamy to some extent. I just don't find that a lot of the people I've connected with in that world are also, you know, into it in the intellectual standpoint that I am. You know, they haven't necessarily read the books or kind of done the self-work. It's just a a way that they believe is beautiful to relate. And I don't disagree with them. Uh, I just think that I've, I've seen it come, I've just seen it cause additional what I feel like unnecessary dramas uh, within friend groups and, and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, that's where mostly I date. I, I deleted the apps like a year and a half ago. Cause I, for me, they were, they were super unhealthy. I was a little too caught up in like the, why am I not matching with certain people? And especially when I would go through phases where I'm not matching at, at all with anybody and really struggling with trying to, I mean, you know, reworking the, the profile and changing the pictures and trying to, you know, doing all these things constantly to, to, to get that one little shtick that gets people to swipe right. But it just, it was, it wasn't good for my mental health. So ever since leading them, my world kind of also coincidentally exploded relationally. And I was meeting a lot more people and, you know, we came out of COVID and all those kinds of things. So my social network just just grew exponentially. And so I didn't need it anymore. I'm, I'm meeting people organically all the time and feel like I'm able to kind of ask people out more so in person, which is a mixed bag. I think there's still some, some of that mindset of kind of the expectation is you ask somebody out online. Like, you know, I don't know. I still feel like I get some, yeah some weird responses sometimes in that, in that world, trying to figure out who's actually interested and whatnot. To that point, like, is there a lot of crossover then with people that you're dating, um, that you're meeting in real life, like in that community? Is it ever like awkward if a relationship ends? It, like, I know San Diego is not small, but it's a smaller city, at least mm-hmm. comparatively to like LA. So interesting yeah. to hear thoughts. Yeah. You know, interestingly, I've, I've mostly been single since I deleted the apps outside of going on random dates or having, you know, the hookup at the end of the night at a club or, those kinds of things, but I haven't had much success in meeting people who want to date beyond a first date. Some of that is me and some of that is, I think, just the circumstance. Um, I've just recently kind of gotten back into it. I went on a first date last week that was very lovely. We have a second one tonight, so <laughs> that's a good start. But Oh, nice. And she's somebody I've met just organically on the dance floor, and so we'll see. But most of it's been through that. 
I was going to ask, do you think that is because there's been kind of like a paradigm change with COVID or the landscape we have now? Is it is it the types of people that you get in San Diego or just like there's just like a hookup culture or like what like what mm. do you think it, it, it is? You know, I think there's. I think there's a few things. I think there is a, a there is a hookup culture, especially in that kind of like um, rave dance festival scene. I mean, I think that is a pretty common theme there. I mean, everybody's enjoying, you know, enhancements and things like that throughout the night and just kind of having fun. So I think that that is pretty common. I think part of it for me personally is, you know, it's also a younger scene. Um, and I'm, you know, in my mid 30s and um, not really looking to connect with somebody in their mid twenties, and so you know if I'm meeting people and I can't really tell the age, or or if I can't tell the age and they seem super young, then like I'm just looking for friends at that point. You know, I'm not really trying to date somebody super young. So I think there's some of that for me that's kind of limited who I've asked out. And you know, I I'm also very conscious of. I think I think I, I get I get probably a little bit too caught in my head about you know, being a part of a friend group and, and dating within the friend group. Sometimes I think I get a little bit self-conscious, or not, not self-conscious, but like overly concerned with causing friction within that group, especially if I'm a new guy into the group. And so there have been a few people that I've wanted to ask out over the last year here that I just haven't because because of that. I'm like, I'd rather just make sure friends are good and like there's no extra drama. And I don't know if that's the right move. It's just the way that I've, I've operated. <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like that's always tricky. It's like the the push pull of this could if this works out, that's great. But then if it doesn't, right. I have to deal with the repercussions. And do I still hang out with this friend group? And absolutely, you know, I, depending on if it ends well or even if it does, how the other person may or may not perceive the situation. So it's always yep. tricky with that. One. Absolutely. Would you ever then try to like date outside of the rave scene or like some something? I guess like a question it. Um, where this is coming from is like in, with some of the women I've spoken to, they ha- they're not really like big on going out or like drinking. They do more of like go to the farmer's market, go to Pilates. And they said they had a really hard time meeting men in San Diego because it is kind of like mm. a heavy drinking, going out culture. Like my take is I think a lot of guys, I don't think you fit in this, but a lot of guys are really like bro-y, <laughs> kind yeah. of fratty, which also wasn't their vibe. So like where else do you think you could like meet people or organically since you're also not on the apps? Sure. I mean, I think, I think, uh, farmer's markets, you know, that is a place that I've met some people. Um, I think, I mean, I've got a lot of friends that have met through the gym or yoga doing those or like, you know, the, the, uh, intramural or like whatever the rec recreation sports leagues, things, the kickball or the volleyball, those kinds of things. I've met people in all those environments as well. Uh, and I've had some friends, some good friends who have, you know, their primary connection has been more so in that kind of yoga realm or doing those other activities that bring them joy. Uh, you know, for me personally, I, I, all of my favorite people I've met on the dance floor. And so it's, it seems like a pretty natural place for me to, to meet someone. The interesting thing to me is that within, especially more so that festival dance group, alcohol is not the big thing that we use. You know, we're more so involved in the other enhancements, which, which actually leads to uh, some different kinds of connection. You know, I, for me, substance falls into two categories of connection and disconnection and alcohol is a disconnector, whereas some of the other things that I use are connectors. And so I find that I actually have met some people and had some, some depth of connection 
that is even in some ways more real uh, than than in other places. Um, but yes, when when you're going to a primarily alcohol event, it is very broy and douchey, um, and I tend to avoid those. You know, the cross events, for instance, are extremely <laughs> yeah. broy yep. and and not 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 my scene. You know, whereas what I what I try what the parties that I really enjoy going to are the ones that are thrown by the Burning Man groups, um, you know, or yeah, th- those kinds of crews. That's really where I find that I meet the most interesting people for me. That's a good comparison. But yeah, because I went to Cross, um, as you know, and it was yeah, it was literally like frat influencer yeah. type people um which yeah. like no like everyone was fine like i had no issue right. like i actually felt it was like a nicer crowd than some other festivals i've been to but i i just i was like i am i back in college like a <laughs> right like totally. just the, the vibe yeah it's a very instagrammy festival yeah do you see yourself staying in san diego long term and do you like do you feel like especially with i like and i've asked because there's some people that they like where they are, but they're not really thinking they could find someone or they might move mm. if, if they don't think they could. So is this somewhere you feel like you could really engage fully in like what you're looking for? Or would you potentially look elsewhere? No, I, I think this is my home. I mean, I think, I think there'll, be play, there'll be times in my life when I might live somewhere else for a short stint, but I think San Diego is, is my home. It feels like my soul belongs here. And I think, I, I have no doubt that like, if me finding a long-term partner is in the cards, that it's possible here. I have made the greatest friendships of my life here, um, and I've had some 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 growth uh, relationally that you know I kind of has, has exceeded some of my beliefs of what was possible with truly understanding how to love someone and and grow deep in connection with someone, even when sex is involved. And so I'm not. I don't feel like I'm super lacking in my in my life, I feel like it's a really happy existence. So, like at this point, uh, the, honestly, the only if I didn't if I didn't enjoy sex so much, I probably wouldn't even be seeking out a romantic relationship. Because I'm so <laughs> fulfilled in every other way. It's just that you know that sex factor is pretty motivating for me, um, especially for me because I'm I I love the the playfulness and the depth of exploring you know all the different kinds of pleasure. You know, it's hard to really dive into you know some of the you know, the kink side of life through only casual partnerships. Because there's, you know, there's a depth of trust to really enter into some of those kinds of play scenarios that I really am interested in exploring with someone. So, and that just takes more of a consistent play, play time together or like trust, trust situation. I don't really like play time. I don't like to said that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. Like, I, I mean, everyone's take on this is different, but I, I don't think I could like meet someone and the first night be like handcuff me to the bed even right. like you know like totally. it takes like a yeah. lot for me um like I like I would need to know I would need to trust them and like be consistently mm-hmm. seeing them like especially as a woman like we always kind of have to oh have our God. guard up with people absolutely um yeah and I feel like every time I get to like a point with a guy where I start feeling comfortable is when they they ghost me so I'm like well mm-hmm. I don't want to like put myself out there Right. Just for you to like, you know, and explore, you know, put these things out and do these things with you just for you to, to move on or like toss me aside. Whereas I've also heard on the opposite end of the spectrum, other women have the completely opposite mindset. And I wish I was more like this sometimes, but they'll be like, yeah, well, I'm just meeting this guy 
I have no expectation to see him again. So why not just put all my cards out mm. on the table yeah. and do whatever and let my inhibitions run free, like because I don't have to see him again. So I've definitely sure. heard both things and everyone approaches it differently, but I'm definitely more like you where I'm like, I need to like work my way up uh, yeah. to that and, and things. So yeah, absolutely. What I think, I think some of the things that I'm, I'm interested in, like I said, intimacy is really where, where I'm seeing what I'm seeking. And you know, there's that right. takes, that just takes some, some depth, even like sexual intimacy, like not just, yeah, not just playfulness, but like, um, you know, yeah, diving into, just diving into some things that I haven't even experienced. Like it's hard to even like put, I have like the ideas of what it could be, but um, yeah, yeah, I just feel like it takes, takes kind of a special situation. No, it, yeah. And it's hard to find these days, no matter yeah. what approach you're yeah, taking. Absolutely. Yeah. But I will say, I feel like you're, take is one of the freshest ones i've heard just since doing this podcast well because i feel like again like what kind of what i was saying before there's such an emphasis in life on relationships and and in the romantic sense and finding a partner and getting married which not everyone wants to do and then having kids which not everyone wants to do and then if you're not tracking towards that direction you're like a failure um for some Mm -hmm. people so I feel like you rarely get to talk to people where it's like, like what you were just saying, I'm so fulfilled in all these other aspects of my life that mm-hmm. I don't need it. Like, I feel like that's so like hard to see and it's hard or rare to see, I guess. And it's hard for sometimes for people to understand this doesn't, this isn't everyone's priority. Like for me, right. it, I'm similar again to you where I'm like, that's a nice to have. Like if I meet someone yeah. great, but I've like so many other things like I'd rather be traveling I'd rather be going to these events I'd rather Mm -hmm. be focusing on my passions and if someone comes into my life that can like enhance that great but I don't feel the need to like put my energy out like searching for it like every single day which not all people take that approach yeah absolutely and again that's that's one of the reasons I got rid of the apps it makes it was this it was something that I found myself doing way more often than I really cared to do but it was just because it was there and it was so easy and automatic to swipe like it, it became such a central focus and i was like i don't want this to be my focus so ever since i've deleted the apps i've been able to release a lot of that and now it's it feels way more organic and in flow not not all the time I and mean, there's certainly times you know yeah. where i notice it more you know, you know like if i'm going back to visit family those are the times when i find i'm most sad to not have someone to come with me <laughs> to deal with the, <laughs> the yeah you know that side of things but yeah but for the most part yeah I, I kind of exist in that space like you know it'd be great to have somebody that that adds to it but yeah i'm not i don't have any desire to change who i am to make that happen so yeah it's gonna have to be, be have, have to be a unique person yeah well and to your point on the apps like it's so mindless and i think if, if you're someone yeah. that likes intimacy that's the last place i would look for for intimacy um right and it's not necessarily that you can't find it because I've seen people have success there, but like, I just can't connect with a photo. Like, it's just like, Ah, it's just so again, like you're just kind of swiping through, like, it's almost like a, like the gamify it for a reason, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like it takes away, um, that connection and people to work, work at it because to your point, it's right in front of your face. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, energy is, is a huge part of how I connect with someone like feeling and like, that getting that vibe and, and, and feeling their energy and that's so I can't it's impossible through um online or yeah. texting or it's not until I mean I had plenty of people that I would meet with that I felt like you know we were 
there was a good energy exchange through text, but the moment we met in person, it was just flat. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. like, I, I was always one, even even in the dating, all the dating app world, that was pretty quick to be let's get together because I don't want to waste a lot of time here. Yeah, which turns some people off, but. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you made that comment about people wanting, you know, get married, have kids, and those kinds of things. I'm, I'm somebody. I have a vasectomy, and so that's been probably even more of a factor in in the dating world. Because if I meet someone who wants kids, I mean, I'm pretty much a guaranteed no, because um, I've already made that decision. Um, so I feel like that's been probably more of a barrier, or just as much of a barrier as the non-monogamy. Yeah, that's interesting because. I'm from the mindset. I also am like not at least at this time. I'm like kids isn't something that I am really would like. Um, that might change, but as of today, not really a focus for me. But um, it's kind of it's not funny, but like interesting. I guess that you say that just because of the political climate we're in. Right. I feel like there's so I you would think there'd be so many women that would be like so stoked that you have a vasectomy with like the conversations on birth control. Right. Well, I think maybe here recently that, that probably, that, that probably has changed. more. Um, I've, I have had way more conversations with my friends, my male friends about sex and, and about getting them. And, um, and I've, I've had more friends tell me that they find it attractive that I have a vasectomy, but I, I haven't really gone on a ton of dates in the last three, four months. And so maybe, maybe my, 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 my uh, dad might be a little bit skewed at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, I can see how that could be a barrier to either way of like your alignment on future goals and, and things like mm -hmm. that. Because again, like society tells you like, this is what you should be doing. Like, this is what you want. Um, right. And some people truly want it. But I think other times people don't actually sit and think like, is this what I want? Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you were giving advice to someone that wanted to explore the community or was interested in entering it, like what would you like tell them? Yeah, my, my first recommendation would be to read a book. Uh, there's a couple of really good ones out there that um, I found a lot of growth in, um, Polysecure and More Than Two. Those are my go-tos. People who have explored, a lot of them have read, you know, more so like um, Ethical Slut. That's the one that I think most people have heard of. I have heard of it. And it's a, it's, yeah, it's a good book, um, but it is, it is more of a narrative story as opposed where the other two are going to ask some different kinds of questions and get you to dive a little bit deeper into some of the, the intellectual side of it, which again, is something that I connect with. And beyond that, you know, I, I, I always ask people the whys, you know, like, what is it about non-monogamy that, that you find appealing? Like, that, that would be my first question is really understand your why. And um, once you can articulate that, you're going to be in a much better situation and a much better place to explain that even to somebody else. The, the, the couple of times that I've had these conversations with friends, that's where I've always had them, them start. And have they, uh, if you feel comfortable answering, have they been mm -hmm. like success, successful? Like, is that, have they ended up going that route or worked out yeah, for them? Yeah. It, well, yes and no. I mean, I, my most recent, uh, one of my one of my really good friends, uh, he is somebody who has just entered into that world um, over the course of this, the last, you know, six months here. And it's been a very good initial journey. Like, I mean, he's at the very beginning stages of it. But um, I think it's something that he finds, uh, continues to find intriguing. Uh, and he's he has also found growth in, you know, I, for me, that that's really all I'm all I'm seeking and recommending. But whether or not they choose non-monogamy or not is, is secondary or tertiary. I mean, I don't, it's not the, the point. You know, I, I think, 
I think the principles of non-monogamy are actually the same or should be the same principles of monogamy. You know, it's all about open and honest, authentic communication, dealing with your shit, you know, addressing jealousy because jealousy is just insecurity, insecurity of self or insecurity of a relationship. And then, you know, asking for what you want and expressing what you can give, you know, all of these things that I, you know, aren't, aren't really unique to non-monogamy. You have to maybe, you might, might be forced to address them a little bit more openly. You know, I think that's one of my turnoffs a lot of times with, with monogamy is the way that even in like movies or uh, TV and, and media, how we kind of elevate or um, even glorify jealousy as like, oh, I made you jealous. So that makes me feel like you like me more, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, no, like, come on, like, jealousy, <laughs> it's just insecurity, like, just deal with it. And so I feel like you can hide a little bit more in, in monogamy potentially, but, but in, in reality, I, I still believe, you know, it's, it's going to be most successful when you are in that, in that realm of that open, honest, authentic, real communication. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And to your point, I think that's where the downfall of a lot of relationships are, at least in my experience, it's, it's the communication. Um, oh, yeah. That's the biggest thing for me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, that might be why, you know, my, my, my friend I was just talking about who's having success, he's an excellent communicator. So that's probably why he's having the success as well is it's a, he has worked hard on his communication over this, over the years. And so it's also an area that is very important to him, whether or not he was relating in a non-monogamous manner or not. I love to hear that because I feel like that's hard to find mm -hmm. <laughs> these days. Yeah, for sure. I think those are all the questions I had, unless there was something else that you wanted to talk about. Um, no, no, I, I, I love the conversation. And I'm, I, I think, you know, I'm, I've, I think part of the reason I also, I'm, I'm very open about it. I talk about it probably bring it up in conversation more often than people even care for me to. Uh, but I, it's an area, it's just an area that I want people to be thinking about. It's, I think it's more common than a lot of people realize. I mean, I run into people all the time who I don't necessarily expect to be into an open relationship or, you know, cause, cause a lot of people, you know, even if it's, even if it's just something in the realm of like group play, you know, they just want to have threesomes or foursomes or, they want to go to play parties or, you know, whatever, like all those things fall under this, this umbrella of non-monogamy. It's not necessarily the thing yeah. that we're all looking for, but, um, you know, for instance, my, my ideal scenario is probably a quad dynamic. I think that would be my, my dream scenario is to have two men and two women that decide to kind of do this thing together. And, you know, I'm not holding out the hope that like, that's the only, only successful thing for me, but like, that'd be really beautiful, I think. And, you know, it's hard enough to find one person. So we'll see if I can find three, but, um, but yeah, but it's, yeah, I just think it's, it's a good conversation to be having. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think to your point, there's just a lot of misconceptions. And like, even when my ex and I were open, um, the biggest issue he, we had was one communication and with boundaries and things like that. Mm -hmm. And two, it was like the feeling of like not being good enough. Like you, like it was almost right. like you needed to see these other people because he alone like wasn't good enough, which like wasn't the case. So I think exactly. like educating on some of those things also is, is helpful. Yeah. You know, I, I was just having this conversation with my friend here recently, you know, he's currently dating somebody who is very like, she's very fit and petite and I mean, she's gorgeous, but you know, that doesn't scratch his itch for that desire to also be with a voluptuous woman. You know, like she will never be that. And so, 
you know, just be, it's just different. It's not better or worse. Like they have, they have fantastic sex, but you know, he's able, but like to, that, that desire is also there of like, you know, being with somebody who has different physical attributes or somebody who, you know, I could potentially be with somebody who doesn't enjoy festivals. Well, I would want to go with somebody at some point who enjoys festivals, you know? So it's like right. having, having somebody different that, that explores that, you know, every other type of our um, relationship kind of structure uh, in the way in, you know, friendships or familial relationships, um, we don't operate in the sense of one and only, you know, we believe that, you know, if you make a good friend, you're like, Oh my God, I can't wait for you to meet my other friends. I want you to be a part of this group now because that, yeah. like this friendship is growing the love that you even have for these other friends. It kind of they elevate each other. And, you know, I believe in God, that non-monogamy belief is that that is also true in romantic and sexual relationships. And, you know, I've experienced that in, in, in my you know, long-term relationship, you know, I would drive her to and from dates um, at times and we would have great conversations about her for her date with that person. And, you know, the things that she liked that he did or the things that made, she found attractive. It's some of our best sex even after those dates that she would have <laughs> with other people, because it was, it was so exciting to hear about her being cared for, finding like new giddiness and love you know there's it's it's this the word is compersion that was kind of coined within the, the poly community but um it's that antithesis to jealousy of you know celebrating celebrating somebody experiencing this new loving connection and really feeling full yourself through their sense of fullness you know and again it's a, it's a feeling that we feel through friendship you know we, we we hear about a friend who's having this beautiful new thing and it's exciting and like we feel so happy for them not to say that there's not envy, you know, potentially, but, but, you know, it can still be really like fulfilling and, and grow your own, your own ability to love. So that's where, that's where I think non-monogamy can be really beautiful. And it doesn't mean that it's not, you know, there's just as much risk for drama. There's just as much risk for fallout and all those kinds of things, because we are all humans who choose to do the work or not <laughs> so um it definitely is not a perfect perfect structure or anything like that but i think it it can be a really beautiful way to live yeah i think that's a good way to look at it and i liked your um analogy between like friendship gr groups and meeting one friend and bringing them to another i think that's like a good like comparison yeah all right well matt thanks for joining me and I feel like I learned so much today, not only about you, but the community and good. everything. So I hope that everyone listening takes some things away from this too. So thanks for joining. Right yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate it.